0: Welcome to Northgate Bible Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So, whether you're outdoors, in the car, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. It was wonderful singing, uh, knowing you, uh, knowing you, uh, Jesus. Uh, there's nothing greater than knowing Jesus Christ. Um, And even more better, to be known by a holy God, uh, to know His love, and wherein today we can sing, uh, Jesus, I love you, and uh, He loves us. And so uh, today, uh, our our message is going to be a very simple message, uh, but a very good reminder for all of us uh, as we walk in this world uh, to love one another. So... uh, Two weeks back, uh, Brother Rich uh, started up with, uh, we are ambassadors, we are representatives. Uh, We carry a message, Uh, we carry a message uh, to the lost world. We carry a message uh, every single day. Uh, We represent Christ Jesus, and it's very important how we walk. Uh, Last week, our brother Mike uh, also looked into uh, uh, being an ambassador part two, Uh, Okay, so uh, if life were uh, to give you a cup, what would you fill it with? Uh, We looked at Job. Uh, uh, His life uh, gave him so many different things, uh, but yet in all his miseries he would worship the Lord. Uh, Today we are going to be looking at uh, if life were to give you a cup uh, and you have a choice, uh, choosing the more excellent way, uh, loving one another, uh, is a very integral aspect of our walk together in this world. So let us read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and uh, we'll look at verse 1 to 8 and, um, and go from there. First Corinthians chapter 13, and let's look at verse 1 onwards. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. And the last verse, uh, verse 13, now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity uh, to come together to study your word. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would uh, uh, enable for us uh, to see uh, your love and and not just see your love for us and we are are recipients of your love and help us, Lord, to love one another and help us to love one another well. Uh, Father, we uh, thank you for uh, your love for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, uh, What amazing love. And help us, Lord, to uh, be immersed in that love day in, day out, and that that will reciprocate in our love for one another. We give you thanks uh, for your son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. So Paul was the greatest um, pioneer, missionary, evangelist, uh, teacher, warrior of faith in the world the world has ever known. Uh, Yet, you know, he was very gifted, uh, very gifted in teaching of his word, Uh, The Lord provided uh, such a gifted man, or he provided the gifts to a man uh, uh, to preach the gospel of Christ Jesus uh, to the Gentile world. Uh, He was very gifted. Uh, He had many abilities, so to speak. But in the midst of all these things, uh, he would highlight this important point uh, of loving one another. And uh, the Corinthian church, he was writing this to the Corinthian church, the Corinthian church had many issues. Uh, They had many troubles, uh, so to speak, uh, in their walk. Uh, They uh, were debating in in chapter 12 about gifts and the misuse, so to speak, of gifts. And in the misuse of gifts, uh, Paul would lay out how they were to uh, manifest their gifts uh, and that it was not for themselves but for uh, the edification of others and for the glory of God. And then towards the end of that, in, uh, in verse 31, uh, he would say, but desire the greater gift. And he doesn't end it there, but then he goes on to say, but, cliffhanger, uh, there is something greater. <laughs> and, and that greater is what we see in chapter 13. The first instance of love is always an important, you know, when we look at any particular word in uh, the scriptures, it's always good to uh, look at where was the first instance of any particular word or important word that was used. And when you look at the word love, uh, we see the word love first coming up in Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, we read uh, of God telling Abraham, uh, take your son, your only son, whom you love. And uh, what, is, what do we read there? Uh, take your son, your only son whom you love, and take him to Mount Moriah and offer him up. This was a love that was a giving love. Uh, we love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and might. Uh, we love uh, our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, all those are important, integral things without... Uh, Me loving God with all my heart and soul and might, I'm not able to love my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Without having the love of God in my heart, I can only manufacture love. Um, Without having the love of God in my heart, uh, I am not able to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And so it is also in our walk one with another. And this is today looking uh, focused on internally. Yes, we are to love our neighbor, uh, but... Uh, do we love one another? Yes, we do love one another well, but we can always improve in our love for one another What is the model for love uh, I forget I had a presentation there uh, So what is the model for love? Uh, in John chapter 13 uh, And verse 1 we read of our Lord Jesus Christ, and before he went to the cross, and we read over there that he had known that his time had come to go to the Father. Uh, And we read in verse 1 of chapter 13 that having loved his own, he loved them to the end. Loved them to the uttermost. Uh, The model for love is our Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 13, uh and, and verse 34 to 35, we read, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I loved you, that you love one another. By this you will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Whenever there is uh, uh, a mention of a word or a phrase three times in scriptures, uh, simultaneously, um, the Spirit of God is trying to convey something that is very important uh, in order for us to focus on that particular word or per- that particular phrase. In these two verses, um, four times the word uh, love is used and three times a uh, loving one another is used. Um and the model for this love is in this particular verse as well, and we see that as I have loved you. You love one another. Uh, the model for our loving one another is nothing other than the Lord Jesus Christ and how he loved us. He washed the feet of his disciples uh, before he would go to the cross, even the feet of, his, uh, of the one that would betray him, Judas. Judas. Um, we read in First uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, we know love because he laid down his life for us. So we ought to lay down our lives uh, for the brethren. Now, the word love, uh, in when you look at the Greek, the Greek of the word love, there are, uh, in classical Greek, there are three kinds of loves that are used. Uh, the word love is uh, used of phileo love, that is the love uh, that you have for a friend. Uh, the love that you have for a friend is a give and take love. You give love, you take love. Uh, it's a phileo love. Uh, then another Greek word that is used is Eros. And and, and, and that is a word, um, and that is a word that is used for a love that only takes. It is a selfish, self-gratifying love. Um, And then there is the agape love. And that is the word that is used here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, Agape love is a love that gives. Uh, It is completely unselfish. It is always sacrificial. There is no intent of getting anything back in return. It's always a giving love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's always a giving love. In 1 Corinthians 13, uh, we see this particular word being used of loving one another. Uh, All throughout 1 Corinthians 13, the word for love that is used there is the agape love. The love of God for us is the love with which we are to love one another. We will uh, now look into the first four verses, and in the first um, four verses, we see uh, six different uh, hyperboles that Paul is trying to use in order to convey his message to his audience the Corinthian church. Uh, Six examples, and he would uh, use that of himself uh, to convey this particular truth. In uh, verse one, we read, though I speak with The tongues of men and of angels but have not love I am nothing I have become a sounding brass and so the I am nothing comes later but though I have the gift of tongues and of angels but have not love I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal Paul presents uh, this hypothetical picture here uh, of, okay, so uh, if I am the world's greatest uh, tongue speaker, say I am uh, 20 languages, uh, uh, I'm, and I speak them eloquently, I'm able to decipher those, uh, I'm able to be a tra- translator, and interpreter, uh, of say 20 languages. Uh, to add to that, oh, uh, if I were to speak in the tongues of angels uh and again uh it's a hyperbole that he is trying to throw out there because there is no reference to the language of angels anywhere else in scriptures uh, but say that is the case uh, if i am to speak all kinds of uh, languages i'm able to speak the language of the angels but have not love uh, i am like a sounding simple uh I'm a- clanging simple or a sounding brass. The result of the message of that ambassador, uh, the result of the uh, message of the ambassador takes to uh, whoever he's going to is going to be drowned in the noise of the clanging simple. Uh, we were visiting our nephew in Dallas a few weeks back, and uh, he is about, uh, he's a little less than two years old and uh, his parents put, put, put him down uh, to sleep around 8 p.m. Uh, but uh, outside his door, there's always uh, a lot of commotion going on, especially our, our, uh, our room is right next to his. And um, you know, we uh, uh, go to the bathroom, we bang the door, there's a lot of sounds. But then our nephew sleeps in quite well in spite of all the sounds because uh, he has a white noise machine and, and it does wonders, uh, if you didn't know. So this white noise machine will drown all the legitimate sound that is from all around. Uh, and our nephew is able to sleep so good. Uh, so it is, uh, in, in, in this particular example here, uh, without love, uh, any language, anything, any giftedness that we have within the body gets drowned. Our message of the gospel gets drowned if we are not conveying it in love, if we are not uh, bearing with one another and dealing with one another in love. Um, the, uh, the second... Uh, uh, the second... Uh, uh, Picture that he is trying to paint here is that of a super gifted eschatologist. So we read in verse 2, though I have the gift of prophecy. So there are six items here, and this is the second one. Though I have the gift of prophecy, but again, have not love, I am nothing. It profits me nothing. Uh, he declares, a, this is uh, an eschatologist, he declares the, uh, or, or someone who is gifted in, in prophecy of end times, declares the purposes of God as revealed in the word of God, is able to uh, speak from revelation, is able to decipher the various truths uh, of the end times from the book of Daniel, from the book of Ezekiel. But if he does not have love, he is nothing. And uh, many eschatologists uh, in times past have uh, divided churches, Uh, divided churches uh, because they lacked the aspect of dealing with one another in love while speaking the truth. Uh, The third category of people uh, that we see here is the super gifted Bible teacher. Uh, So this is uh, an individual that understands all the mysteries of scriptures we read in verse 2 and understands all mysteries and knowledge. But have not love, I am nothing. Uh, He is a very learned man, uh, probably like Paul, uh, who sat at the feet of Gamaliel and learned. He might be a person uh, who has a doctoral uh, degree in theology. All this is good, but if you do not have love, Uh, All your teachings are in vain. You are nothing. Uh, George Sweeting, who was the president of the Moody Bible uh, Institute, uh, would say this. Too often, Christians are more concerned about hidden truth uh, but indifferent about loving, difficult people. Uh, We love uh, hidden truths of scriptures, and there's nothing wrong in that. We ought to have a passion for studying the word of God. But at the same time, uh, if I don't love my fellow brother who is difficult with me, then it is worthless. All my studying is in vain. Uh, The fourth category over here that Paul presents is the super strong mountain moving faith person. Uh, Verse two we read, though I have all faith uh, so that I could move mountains, Yet not have, not have love, I am nothing. It profits me nothing. This is a person who is uh, uh, strong in the faith, uh, say like Abraham. God told Abraham, I'll pick up your tent and go, and he went. Uh, he believes uh, in the God of the impossibilities. Uh, he not just believes, but he acts on it. Uh, he uh, goes where God wants him to go. Uh, He is like a David facing a Goliath, knowing that he will 100% succeed because God is with him. All this, but without love. Uh, This faith that can move mountains is worthless. It's nothing. Paul presents uh, the sixth category here, or the, fifth one, the sixth one, the, the super benevolent, benevolent giver. <laughs> uh, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, but have not love, I'm nothing. This individual uh, may have wealth like Solomon has. Uh, this individual may give his home uh, to be a shelter for the poor, and give everything to the poor. But yet, if he does not have love, he is nothing. We read in Acts chapter 5 of Ananias and Sapphira. uh, They uh, held back some things and gave some to the Lord, and the Lord knew the intents of their heart. Uh, They had given probably with the intention of looking good in the midst of all the other givers, but their heart was not in it. It was not with love. It was hand-giving versus heart-giving and we know what happened there so uh, lacking love while yet giving uh, all that giving uh, amounts to nothing uh, if it is done without love the last one uh, that paul tries to present here is the uh, super immortalized history book martyr so uh, and we read over here um, Though I give my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So this was hard for me to comprehend. Uh, being a martyr for Christ is an honorable thing. Uh, precious in the sight of the Lord or the death of his saints. Such a sacrifice for the name of Christ is precious uh, to God. Uh, and but yet, uh, this can also be done with the intent of uh, of self and fame. In early Christendom, uh, Martin, m- m- martyrdom or being a martyr uh, was a means of achieving great fame, uh, to be remembered as a hero of the faith. Uh, so Paul here says uh, mm. uh, if you give yourself as a sacrifice uh, with ulterior motives, um, that is worthless. Apart from love, uh, that's worthless sacrifice. So D.A. Carson uh, puts it in this way. He summarizes this. uh, Without love, I'm nothing, and then he uh, calls it divine mathematics. So uh, there are are six aspects here, uh, and all these six aspects, uh, and then you subtract out love. uh, Six minus one is not five, but rather six minus one is zero. There is nothing. Absolutely nothing if you do not do things in love. Now, what are the um, implications of not loving one another? Uh, we all know the implications of not loving one another, but if you would turn with me to a Revelation chapter 12, or a Revelation chapter two, the book of Revelation and chapter two. we'll look at verse one to five and the church at Ephesus. The letter to the church at Ephesus is uh, is written here, and uh, verse one to five of Revelation chapter two, we read like this. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, You have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. You have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So this was a, uh, a very difficult message uh, that was uh, written to the uh, church at Ephesus. Uh, they were a super extraordinary church in their giftings. This church uh, had great commendation from the Lord for their hard work, for their steadfastness of faith, uh, for their intolerance of heresies, for their zeal for doctrinal purity, uh, for their patient endurance in the midst of persecution. All the, these were positive, great commendations from the Lord God of heaven. All seemed to be well, an exemplary model for any church to follow. However, there was something fundamentally wrong and that was seen in verse four. Christ turns that commendation into condemnation by saying you have abandoned the love you had at first. Yes, it could be the love that they had for the Lord God of heaven, uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ, but it could also be their love for one another. The implications are dire. The quality of their love for one another was no longer as Christ had loved them. Uh, A Puritan uh, preacher once mentioned this. Uh, Satan, who labors to destroy churches, endeavors to kill love. Any church split that has ever happened um, Mm -hmm. uh, divisively has always happened because there was a lack of loving one another. Satan, who labors to destroy churches, endeavors to kill love. Christ wants this church that although they were exemplary uh, in in many aspects of their walk, that he would use the candle snuffer uh, and extinguish this lampstand. The implications are high. Remove their local testimony, if they did not repent. The implications of not loving is dire. He will remove church testimony. Now, the Lord does not uh, leave this church just like that, he always provides a remedy. He always provides a remedy. Uh, and, and we see three aspects here of that remedy. Um, he says, remember from where you have fallen. Uh, remembrance is always a beautiful thing. Memory is always a beautiful thing. It can be constructive, and it can be destructive. Uh, the word for remember in the Old Testament is a word, a zakar, that is used in Hebrew. And uh, it is a word that is always used along with an action. In uh, Genesis chapter 8, I believe it is, when uh, God remembered Noah, then the water came down, the floods came down. Uh, Whenever uh, there is a remembrance involved, there's always an action that is involved along with it. And the action here is uh, repent and return. Uh, The word for repent, and and everyone is offered this, uh, so repent and return. Uh, if you have been loveless, if you uh, have uh, not been loving your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ the way you ought to, uh, the answer to that is repent. Metanoia is the word that is used there in Greek. That is to change one's mind, to do a 180 degree turn and to return back to your first love. And there's nothing else. Love can be revived, can be grown afresh, because you are all, we are all recipients of the love of God. Return and do the first works. Rekindle the original flame of love. Now how can we practically love one another? So I'm gonna spend the rest of our time just focusing in on uh, a few aspects of how can we practically love one another. And we see that in verse 4 to 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 13 and verse 4 onwards, we read, love suffers long, is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, does not seek its own. Uh, and the list goes on there. There are 15 aspects of loving that is mentioned here. Uh, we uh, go on to look into every single aspect of uh how we are to love one another, we will be here uh, likely till the end of the day. But we're going to look at uh, three aspects of the Lord laid on my heart uh, to look at uh, a little deeper uh, to see how we can practically love one another. The first one is seen in the very first uh, portion, uh, in verse 4, uh, love is patient. Love is patient. Uh, The word patient is long-suffering or suffers long, uh, and it's always used in reference to uh, patient in bearing with one another's offenses, injuries, uh, or injuries of others. There's always someone involved uh, in love as patient. Uh, Love can be, yeah, life can be full of of frustrations, uh, hurts, injustices, emotional attacks, uh, thoughtless criticisms. Uh, intentional or unintentional, it can be verbal or non-verbal. Uh, everyone encounters uh, difficulties or frustrations in life, uh, may, so, sometimes many times daily, many times in an hour, so to speak. Uh, to not have encountered this is to be in the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, But we are called to do life together as a body. We are called to live one with another, um, to do life together. And how are we to do life together, rub shoulders together and love one another in the midst of these frustrations that attack us at times? Patience is needed, love is patient. Patience is needed in dealing with one another's weaknesses and failures. Patience is needed in bearing uh, with those who are slow to Uh, slow or resistant to change uh, and learning. Patience is needed with those who are weak in the faith. Uh, Patience is needed in working with those who are uh, emotionally unstable. Uh, Patience is needed in working with those who are fearful, whatever the reason be. Patience is needed with those who are wayward and have gone away from Christ. Now, mind you, patience is not passivity. Uh, patience is not passivity. Patience is not being passive. Uh, we are to encourage them in the word, uh, but be patient. Uh, build and not destroy what God has uh, built up. Uh, we read in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14, we read. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. That's our responsibility. Comfort those who are faint-hearted. Uphold those who are weak. But Paul doesn't end there. But what does he say? But be patient with all. Be patient with the unruly. Be patient with the wayward. Be patient with those um, that are faint-hearted. Be patient with the weak. Love is patient, uh, and patience is not passivity. Uh, there was a wonderful example uh, in the 18th century of a great man of God by the name of R.C. Chapman. Uh, and I, uh, I love uh, his book on leadership, and our, our, the book that was written of him regarding his leadership and uh, his loving leadership, so to speak. Uh, in the early church, there was uh, always uh, there. You know, in the early church during the 18th century time timeframe, uh, there were divisions that were happening in the Plymouth uh, Brethren movement, so to speak. Uh, R.C. Chapman was not a, uh, a he was a, he, he was a Baptist, but he had close associations with J.N. J. Darby, and he also had close associations with uh, B.W. Newton, and both of them were strong believers. Again, uh, for those who are into dispensationalism, um, you know. J.N. Darby is the uh, founder or the uh, greatest theologian when it comes to dispensationalism. So J.N. Darby and B.W. Newton, uh, they were both meeting together, but they had a dispute. They they were not seeing eye to eye on a particular topic, and that led to a lot of dissension. And uh, R.C. Chapman, seeing this, came and intervened and tried to mediate, but end of the day, uh, the dissension just rose, and J.N. Darby uh, decided that he would start a new church. And it ended up with a church split there. Uh, That hurt R.C. Chapman so much. Uh, He tried to resolve this. He tried to mediate between uh, these two men of God uh, that loved the word but were not loving one another well. Uh, There was a, uh, in the 18th century, 1832 or maybe even later, uh, there was a meeting of uh, 12 prominent leaders of the church during that time frame in the Plymouth area, and R.C. Chapman uh, presided over this. And uh, R.C. Chapman put this out to Jane Darby. Uh, Darby, you shouldn't have. Uh, you shouldn't. You should have waited. You shouldn't have uh, started another church. And Jane Darby would say, "Well, I waited, brother. I waited for six months." And R.C. Chapman would say, uh, you should have waited for six years. Uh, J.N. Darby later on, uh, you know, and, and when you read through some of the biographies, we, uh, you know, we see some of the uh, churches started uh, disfellowshipping him and not fellowshipping with him because of his approach. But then again, we see R.C. Chapman with all his love coming alongside J.N. And Darby and loving him. Uh, and showing the love of Christ to him the love of God is patient God has been patient with us are we patient one with another love is patient the next one that we have uh, in front of us is love is not self-seeking love is not self-seeking self-centeredness generally characterizes the world uh, and society today uh, we live in a world of individual ra- or, uh, or, you know, radical individualism. It's all about me. Um, I do me and you do you, uh, is how the general world rolls. And uh, it's sad to say that that culture has also seeped into the church today. In the Western world in general, we live in a culture that is focused on gratifying ourselves. The culture of self. But this is completely contrary to what the bible has to say uh, agape love is a love that is invested in others before me in luke chapter 22 we would read in verse 27 uh, of the lord jesus christ and uh, we read yet i am among you as one who serves he came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many again to serve and to give not to take We read of the example of Paul uh, in in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. uh, We read of him saying, I gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Uh, He, seeing the lost, uh, would spend his life for them. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, we read, let each of you look not on your... Look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. And that is uh, God's desire for us. A love is not self-seeking, but rather investing uh, in others, in giving. The last aspect that I'd like to look at today is love does not keep account of wrongs. And, and that is seen in the last portion of verse 5. Uh, love thinks no evil. Uh, and the word that is, or the, uh, it can be rephrased when you look at the Greek as, it does not keep tab of evil, does not reckon evil, is not resentful. Um, love does not think evil or keep account of evil. Love does not count and keep a brother's uh, list of faults or a sister's lift of, list of faults. Love does not continue to keep grudges, Love does not seek revenge. Uh, To choose the path of love does not mean that we don't feel the pains and hurts of others. Uh, We do, but we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, are able to deal with those things uh, and bring them to the Lord. We forgive one another as Christ forgave us. We read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, as God in Christ forgave you, so you forgive one another. So we are to choose choose to forgive. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, again, is a wonderful example here. In Luke chapter 23, we read uh, the Lord Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. We, we read of Stephen uh, in, in Acts chapter 7. As he was being stoned and looking up unto heaven, he would Say, Lord, do not hold the sin to their account. We read of David uh, in, in the Old Testament. Uh, once Saul, when, once he heard that Saul had died in the battlefield, what, what did he do? Saul often tried to kill David. But when, Saul heard, when, when, when David heard that Saul was dead, um, David uh, wept and fasted. love does not keep an account of love does not keep an account of all the wrongs Uh, love bears all things believes all things Uh, love never fails so now um, I have this quote here um, uh, from a Puritan writer and here he writes this life lived according to the more excellent way does not keep a journal of injustices and emotional hurts It makes no plan to get even. Instead, love is generous in her forgetfulness. Uh, Love forgives and blesses those who have caused the offenses. So how do I love? Practical applications. We all know about love. We all know about how we are to love one another. We have looked at these three different aspects of it. Uh, But a little more insight into this, uh, how, how are we to love one another? Uh, the one another of scripture in itself will let us uh, have a glimpse of how we are to love one another. Uh, there are about uh, twelve one another's that I have before you here, uh, and the reference is there. Um, uh, how am I to love one another? Uh, edify one another. Uh, serve one another, again, with an agape love. Uh, not with the intent of getting anything back, but rather giving. Bear with one another's burdens. Submit one to another. Uh, Forgive one another as God and Christ forgave you. Instruct one another. Comfort one another. Rebuke one another. Uh, Encourage one another to do good. Uh, Confess your sins one to another. Uh, Pray for one another, a very important aspect uh, of loving one another. Be hospitable one to another. Uh, Speak the truth in love. uh, if you don't speak the truth to someone who needs to hear the truth, you're not loving them. Uh, and I'm going to leave you with this last slide for you to just ponder on a little more deeper uh, into uh, how am I practically to love one another within our assembly. And I'm going to not give you answers, but rather just uh, put it in, in, in forms of questions. And uh, how am I to practically love one another? Do I have a deep concern for those who are missing in our assembly uh, today and have I reached out to them? Things to ponder on. Am I loving them? How do I respond to harsh criticism? Do I respond in bitterness and shut myself off? How do I respond to someone who does not respond to my ideas or concerns? How do I talk about my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ after the meeting is over and I go home? Do I pray for those who are difficult with me? Does my fellowship transcend beyond my peers to intergenerational, deeper fellowships in Christ Jesus? Do I resurrect old hurts that have been forgiven and forgotten? May the Lord help us to love one another as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, your love for us, uh, your agape love for us, wherein you gave your only begotten son uh, to die for us. Help us, Lord, to agape love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Love bears all things, believes all things, is patient, uh, is kind, does not behave rudely. Father, help us. We need your help. We know that we cannot do these things in our own ability. We need your help. And we pray that you would, uh, by your Holy Spirit, uh, help us and help us to submit to your will and help us to love one another well, just as you loved us. We give you thanks for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his matchless name we pray. Amen.